You see a man coming at you and he's got three legs. That's not a man you want to mess with. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. He was a lawyer, a newspaper man, a ranger, a soldier, a judge, and a politician. And he did it all on three legs. This week we look at the life of legendary Texan Robert Three-Leg Willie Williamson. But first... What's your favorite movie location in Texas? Well, I have actually seen a Texas movie being filmed in a Texas town by a Texas filmmaker. Uh, and when I right after college, I was uh, my parents were living in Bartlett, which is north of Austin, and uh, they were filming a scene to Richard Linklater's uh, "The Newton Boys." And so I went down to see the scene they were filming at Bartlett. Has this old. Uh, old-style downtown area. It's a real small town, so it's got the old-style downtown area. So they were filming this Depression-era film, and it was a perfect fit. Uh, and I got to see uh, Ethan Hawke and Skeet Ulrich and Vincent D'Onofrio and uh, our friend Matthew McConaughey uh, filming a scene where they blew up a bank. And I got to see Richard Linklater directing cameras and everything. It was really cool. Oh, that's nice. Well, I feel really bad because I made fun of your old Taurus last week, Sean. And oh. and that was not cool. <laughs> yeah, Old Faith was a reliable steed. Um, but I gotta say, dead or alive, you're coming with me. It's RoboCop, baby. All of that IMP architecture down there at the Dallas City Hall. We need to find something that looks kind of futuristic, but also like kind of a crappy Detroit. <laughs> Boom, we're going to Dallas. And then let's let's roll out an army of 400 Tauruses out there. So there was a bunch of Ford. It was a futuristic-looking car, which yeah. now makes that movie look terribly dated. Yeah. <laughs> well, other than uh, RoboCop and then, you know, which was Dallas, and then RoboCop 2, which featured uh, the Houston uh, skyline in some shots. Um, you know, I'd have to say that one of my favorite uh, filming locations in Texas is the Riverwalk in San Antonio. Uh, the one movie that stands out the most for me was the uh, classic film uh, Cloak and Dagger with a young uh, Henry Thomas uh, post-ET and uh, Dabney Coleman. Uh, it's a great movie. The Riverwalk was also the location for some, um, or San Antonio and the Riverwalk were location for some other movies, though, including uh, Miss Congeniality and uh, Selena, and there was also uh, some shots in the Riverwalk in the move, the uh, the original movie uh, The Getaway with Steve McQueen. Yeah. So um, it's a very classic Texas filming location. And I think Miss Congeniality is actually set in San Antonio. I don't think it's yeah. like doubling. For no, it's set, it's yeah, set in no, San Antonio, no, and, and you could see William yeah. Shatner in San Antonio. And I remember in front being, of the Alamo. That got me. I remember watching that and being like, oh, I'm so excited. William Shatner's been to the Alamo. <laughs> Robert McAlpin Williamson was born in Georgia in either 1804 or 1806. He was the son of Peter and Ann Williamson, a prestigious and wealthy planter family. His middle name came for his mother, who was of Scots extract, from a clan claiming descent from Kenneth McAlpin, the semi-legendary first king of the Scots. 
and died not long after Robert's birth, and he seems to have been raised by his father's mother, Sarah, in Milledgeville, Georgia. He was a bright boy, and he excelled in school. When he was 15 years old, his school career was terminated by a sudden illness, when his leg was struck by what he later wrote was a white swelling. It's unknown what the actual illness was. Some scholars believe it was tuberculosis arthritis, a form of tuberculosis that exists outside the lungs, while others believe it was probably an attack of polio common at the time. But whatever the disease was, it had two effects. It combined him to his home for two years, and it left him disabled for life. Williamson's leg was drawn back at the knee at a 90-degree angle, to the point where his foot was directly behind his left knee, and it was largely useless. He was fitted with a wooden leg on his right knee, which allowed him to walk, and with which he became quite capable and mobile. He used a cane, though he often didn't need it, and he learned how to ride, hike, and hunt with little impediment from his disability. A tailor sewed an extra piece of cloth to the knee of his trousers to cover the wooden leg, leaving him with one good leg, one bad leg, and one wooden leg. His friends took to calling him Three-Legged Willie, which was a name that stuck for life, although later on it wasn't often used to the fiery Scotsman's face. Williamson read a great deal during his illness, was admitted to the bar around the age of 18 or 19, a remarkable achievement even for the day. He appears to have practiced law in Georgia for about a year. Then in 1826, for no clear reason, he wrote, GTT, or gone to Texas on his door, and moved his law practice to Stephen F. Austin's new colony in Mexican, Texas, settling in San Felipe de Austin. As we have seen often, law wasn't Williamson's only avocation in Texas. In 1829, he partnered up with another settler named Godwin B. Cotton to establish a newspaper initially called the Cotton Plant and later the Texas Gazette. Cotton had been a newspaper man in New Orleans and Alabama, and before that, he may have been a member of the Gutierrez-McGee expedition. Cotton was the publisher, printer, and editor. Williamson was the co-editor and a contributor. And Stephen Austin was the only other contributor, though the paper also carried the official colony notices from the Mexican government. Apparently, the paper was a lively one, as opinions of Cotton and Austin often clashed. Williamson was on good terms with both men and often helped ease the tension between them. In 1831, Cotton sold the paper to Williamson, who renamed it The Mexican Citizen, and published a pro-Mexican paper with Austin's guidance until the end of the year. After that, he sold the printing press back to Cotton, who restarted the Texas Gazette, and it ran until 1832, when it changed hands and names again, and many times after. The Texas Gazette and Mexican Citizen are the oldest Texas newspaper for which more than one issue are extant, and they're profoundly important to the early history of Texas. Cotton's, Austin's, and Williamson's arguments in print are very important views into the opinions and attitudes of the people of Texas during a time when turmoil in Mexico and tensions between her and her Anglo colonists were growing ever greater. In the papers, Williamson was a bit of a moderate, and Cotton was a bit of a radical, even at that early time in the game. Still, Williamson used his editorials to make an early appeal for the Texas colonists to resist Mexican tyranny. After selling the paper, he was elected by the people of San Felipe to be Sindico Procurador, basically the city attorney for the town council. As the events leading to the Texas Revolution heated up, he was right there in the middle of things. In 1832, when Colonel Juan Bradburn arrested and imprisoned the radical Patrick Jack and William B. Travis in the port of Anahuac, Williamson, as a Mexican colonial official, used his legal power to force Bradburn to release the men. 
He was elected as a delegate to the Convention of 1833, which drafted a petition of grievances held by the colonists to the Mexican government. This landed Austin in prison, where he delivered the petition. Williamson was among the loudest in calling for Austin's release and joined the War Party, which called for resistance to Mexican rule. In 1835, after the revolution broke out in Gonzales, Williamson was sent as a delegate from Mina, today known as Bastrop, to the consultation, which set up a provisional government for Texas. This provisional government commissioned him a major on November 29, 1835, and ordered him to organize a corps of rangers to protect the frontier settlements from Indian attack. This group would be the precursor to the famed Texas Rangers. After the fall of the Alamo, Williamson joined the Texas forces under Sam Houston in their retreat before Santa Ana in the runaway scrape. He was there at the Battle of San Jacinto, serving in William H. Smith's Cavalry Company, though his name erroneously appears on the original muster roll as W.W. Williamson. Williamson received 640 acres for participating in the Battle of San Jacinto, in addition to the land he already had in the Austin Colony. On December 16, 1836, the first Congress of the Republic elected Williamson judge of the 3rd Judicial District, automatically making him a member of the Supreme Court of Texas. So at the time, each of the district judges were also the members of the Supreme Court. The town of Columbus, which is west of today's Houston, had been burned during the runaway scrape, and so there was no suitable structure to hold court proceedings. As a result, now Judge Williamson convened his first court session under a large oak tree next to a lot where later the Colorado County Courthouse was built in 1837. In 1840, Williamson was elected to represent Washington County, just north of Colorado County, in Congress. He served in the House in the 5th, 6th, and 7th Congress, in the Texas Senate in the 8th Congress, and in the House again in the 9th Congress. His Senate seat in the 8th Congress was contested, and he eventually lost that seat. Williamson was a Houstonite who argued fervently for annexation to the United States. After annexation, he even named one of his sons Annexus, and he served in the Senate of the first two state legislatures, finally retiring in March of 1850. During his time as judge and lawmaker, Williamson became the subject of numerous legends inspired by his personal characteristics, including his personal charm, intellectual acumen, and his physical and mental toughness. Early-day Texan Noah Smithwick wrote about an encounter in his book, Evolution of a State. Quote, To Judge Williamson, nature had been indeed lavish of her mental gifts, but as if repenting of her prodigality in that line, she later afflicted him with a grievous physical burden. He would leave a courtroom over which he had just presided with all the grace and dignity of Lord Chief and Justice, and within the hour be patting Juba for some nimble-footed scapegrace to dance. One time Willie danced so hard he broke his wooden leg and woke up Smithick in the middle of the night, calling, Oh, Smithick, come here! Here's a man with a broken leg! Smithick, a blacksmith, took the fractured limb to his shop and braced it up so that it was good as new. The judge, Smithick wrote, went on his way rejoicing. <laughs> Perhaps the best-known story concerning Williamson as a frontier judge took place in Shelbyville, way out in East Texas along the border of the Piney Woods. As a frontier judge, Williamson's district was pretty extensive, so stretching from west of Houston all the way up to the border with Louisiana. He was sent there by President Houston to bring order to Shelby County, which was run by an unruly mob of outlaws not eager to be judged by anybody, much less three-legged Willie. The mob's lawyer, I guess they've lawyered up, he penned a resolution stating that court simply would not be held that day and basically dared Williamson to do something about it. Williamson read the resolution aloud, then asked the defense attorney to cite 
what law allowed such a proposal. The lawyer produced a bowie knife and laid it on the bench. This is the law that governs here, he said. Three-legged Willie produced a long-barreled pistol and slammed it down on top of the knife, declaring, this is the Constitution that overrules it. Court, of course, proceeded without further delay. Shelby settled down quickly after Three-Legged Willie hung some outlaws, put others in jail, and let it be known that the rest of the gang would be shot on sight if they ever came back to Texas. Williamson did like to poke fun at himself. He liked to tell a story about leading a team surveying the lands around what would later become the capital city of Austin and neighboring communities. He and his group encountered a large herd of buffalo, and Willie decided he just had to chase one of the big beasts down. Despite warnings from his companions, Williamson galloped his horse in full pursuit of the buffalo. The chase ended when his horse hit a patch of mud and performed a flip in the air that sent three-legged Willie flying off his four-legged horse. The horse recovered, of course, and continued on his way without Willie, who was stuck in the mud, his leg and crutch hopelessly mired in the muck. His companions eventually got around to rescuing him, much to his chagrin. Williamson married Mary Jane Edwards, daughter of Gustavus Eat Edwards of Austin County, on April 21, 1837. Together, they had seven children, including the aforementioned Annexus. Most accounts have him leaving the state Senate after failing to achieve an appointment to the state Supreme Court as Chief Justice. He ran unsuccessfully for the U.S. Congress and Lieutenant Governor of the state, and these disappointments spelled the end for him in politics and public life. He retired to his farm near Independence and devoted himself to educating his children and preparing materials for a history of the events in Texas leading up to the Texas Revolution. In 1857, he suffered an attack of an unknown illness that affected his mental brilliance. The next year, his wife Mary died and his mind deteriorated further, a sad end for one of the brightest minds in Texas. He died at his father-in-law's home in Wharton on December 22, 1859, where he was buried. In 1930, his body was reinterred in the state cemetery in Austin, and markers were established there and at his death site. In addition to the monuments to this great man, Williamson County, north of Austin, possibly not far from his Buffalo accident, was established in 1848. The story goes that the citizens in the western end of the then-sprawling Milam County petitioned the legislature for a new county with offices closer to their settlements than the county seat, which was 70 miles away. The legislators agreed to create a new county, but weren't sure what to call it. When one senator suggested County of San Gabriel, Williamson reportedly stood up and protested that we didn't need to have any more saints in Texas. The majority then decided to name the county for him instead, to his chagrin and delight. In 2013, a bronze statue of Willie was unveiled in front of the Williamson County Museum and Courthouse in Georgetown. Today, you can take your picture with three-legged Willie, which Sean did, and marvel at this man who didn't let a third leg get in the way of greatness. Well... Good old three-legged Willie. Three-legged Willie. Yeah, so we went this day after Christmas, or two days after Christmas, we went to Georgetown, uh, and uh, uh, we walked around, and very first thing you see is this really neat statue of three-legged Willie. And I was like, I know who that is. And then I realized we have never done an episode on three-legged Willie. Yeah. So what an interesting guy. Well, we've talked about him a little, I think, when we did a lot of our Ranger overviews, but right, you know, individually, right. like, his whole life. What That's a guy. a small part of his career, you know? Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's being tiny. in the Texas Rangers, but it's still, well, it's awesome. That, yeah. And, of course, you know, 
He was a lawyer and newspaper man. Can't let it get in the way of his lawyering and or newspaper manning. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's it's really great that he is an example of a um, a person with a disability who didn't let it get in his way. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's incredible. My favorite thing is just the the I've broke my leg. <laughs> not a real leg. My fake leg. <laughs> I just you know, um it's I don't know, he just he was, he's a cool guy and, and and all of these guys it's just like man, they're just so tough. They just they beat all these kinds of odds, they have all these kind of physical things, and then they they go to law school or they just get sworn in as a lawyer they get a newspaper under their belt and then they become a texas ranger and then they become a judge a hanging judge no less yeah yep. a hanging judge frontier law i was a little disappointed nobody made a simpsons reference to that shelbyville joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah well <laughs> sean was there anything cool uh when you saw the statue, is there anything there besides the statue about him? Well, there's the museum, but since it was like the day after a holiday, it was closed, obviously. Um, but it's just it's standing it's standing right next to a bench, and you can just sit down at the bench next to him, and or stand next to him and put your arm around him. He's and actually it's life size, and he's short. He's he's very short, uh, which I guess was pretty common for the time. But um, he, he stills like you know this is the kind of guy you really wouldn't want to mess with because like. It's like they say about, you know, people, he's got determination. Like, you see a man coming at you, and he's got three legs? That's not a man you want to mess with. That's not a man you want to cross, you know? You can't be denied. Yeah. (laughs) That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Shama, two ends. And I'm Scotticus. Now you love this show, so do your duty for the state of Texas. Tell all your friends about what we're doing, and please leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.